Hey sister, we have a very special guest today. It is Dr. April Graham, just from down my road. So we go real deep in the woods about fertility, hormones, genetics, and fascial manipulation. So you guys are in for a treat for a very deep dive today. And before we start, I just want to thank each and every one of you who have listened. If you have not downloaded this podcast, hit the little plus sign and download the podcast, follow the show and leave a review. Your reviews mean so much to me. I love seeing what you think about the show and how it's helpful to you. And I thought that I would read um, or paraphrase a review of someone who is in the midst of doing my course right now. Um, She's loving it. She has started somewhat recently, but she's like, everyone needs to understand their cycle in this way. The fem charting seems straightforward and it's very informative about understanding what's going on with your cycle. She said she's learned so much about hormones and how they play into different symptoms and her cycle. And she's super excited and it's very informative and interesting to learn. And she loves being held accountable. So um, if you guys have not heard of the Fertility Framework course, if you are new here, it's it's such a big thing. And I know that... Um, like in layman's terms, basically, this is going to help you understand what's going on with your cycle and help you support it. And honestly, I know something like that, that is not IUI or IVF or medication from your doctor or whatever, like the fear around trying something kind of natural and something that is Christ-centered can be kind of intense because you're just wondering, will this even work for me? Um, Maybe you've tried so many other things and they haven't worked and you're not sure if this is actually going to help and you're trying to discern if God has put this, God has put my podcast and my my little voice into your ears, or is this just you trying to figure it out? And I know that these are all super real questions that you're going through. And I want you to understand that you are so not alone in thinking these things. I, I thought the exact same things before I started asking for help and getting more natural Christ-centered help as well. But I will tell you right now that I said, okay, I'm going to try this. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to try this. And I will tell you if I hadn't tried it, oh my goodness, I would not be where I am today. So if this is speaking to you and you're thinking, okay, I'm done with trying to figure this out on my own. I'm done with losing hope. I'm done with feeling like I have to say yes to IVF or yes to IUI or yes to just navigating this on my own. I'm done with trying to force this to happen. I'm ready to say yes to the Lord and yes to the store he's open for me. Then I want you to say yes, okay? Because right now is your moment. Today's your day. And I want you to go right now to beccayon.com slash course. I want you to start the fertility framework course and do it with me VIP because I want to be able to hold your hand and walk with you every single step of the way. We're gonna overcome this fear that you have and we're gonna do this journey together, okay? So let's go, beccayon.com slash course. All right, and before we get into today's episode as well, Like I said, we are talking with Dr. April Graham today. It is an amazing episode. She is sharing with us so much in-depth information. And I want to encourage you, this may be a little bit over your head. And so I don't want it to intimidate you. What I want to encourage and remind you is that... um, Remember, you're, you're going from searching on Google for help and saying, being uncomfortable with saying yes to IUI or IVF. And you're in between that, right? Like you're wanting more support than Google. You're not quite wanting to go 
a really intensive route yet. I am in between your Google and your IUI IVF. And Dr. April Graham, she is going to, I would definitely encourage you to save her information for after you go through something like the fertility framework, because my stuff is going to be like um, checkpoint A, her stuff would be checkpoint B, IUI IVF would be checkpoint C, and hopefully you will never have to get there. Um, so I just want you to know it's very high level, it's very in depth, and it's something I want you to put into your back notes to be like, okay, maybe I can revisit this later on if I need to. You might not need to go this in depth, um, but it is absolutely incredibly fascinating, scientifically based, and so I hope that you are encouraged. Um, you might feel a little bit overwhelmed. But again, just put these in your back pocket and use them if you need to. And let me walk with you first and foremost to learn how to chart, make some um, of the basic things and changes you need to from home in a Christ-centered way before you um, go into a deeper path. And you may need to go to a deeper path and you may not. So um, I just wanted to kind of preface this episode with that. It's absolutely wonderful. It's a lot of information. So you ready? All right, let's go. Hey sister, welcome to For the Love of Hormones podcast. Do you have a desire to get pregnant in God's design and be free from the pressure of going straight to IUI or IVF? Hey, I'm Becca. While I was blessed with two children, I then suffered from three miscarriages. I too felt emotionally wrecked anytime I was around a pregnant friend. I wanted to understand God's design for my body and how to care for it naturally, but I just kept telling myself that it was too complicated and I needed to be content with my circumstances until I found the answer, hormone health and tracking. In this podcast, you will find answers to all of your period, ovulation and cycle questions so that you will be able to find the path for getting pregnant in God's design. So sister, for the love of hormones, put that pregnancy test stick down and grab your Bible, matcha green tea and a journal because it's time for a come to Jesus and hormones meeting. All right, everyone. Well, we have a very special guest on today. Her name is Dr. April Graham, and she is coming to us just up the road from where I am. It's a fun story for how we met. It's very random, but I don't think it was random because <laughs> God orchestrates everything. And so she uh, she is a practitioner at Blue Heron Physical Medicine. She does take virtual clients. She's a naturopathic doctor, and she is coming to us today to share so graciously about fertility and genes and hormones, um, and also to talk a little bit about facial manipulation. And I told her, I was like, we don't, I don't know too much about how genes and the facial stuff come into play with hormones. So I'm so excited for you to be here, Dr. April. So just uh, let's kick off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background, and then we'll kind of dive into the things you want to share with us today. Sounds good. Um, well, it's so nice to be here, and um, I'm so delighted to be able to share with you about fertility and just the little gems that I've learned along the way. Um, I became a naturopathic doctor about five years ago, so I'm five years out of practice. I had my first son at the age, first um, and only son at the age of um, 37. So I was a little bit older getting on an age when I had him and he was basically a miracle. So I'm very grateful for that. And I was still in school while um, I had him actually. Wow. I had finished about three years of a, of a four-year program and then I extended my last year into two years so that I could spend a lot of time with him. 
And um, I graduated and started practice when he was about one. So it's been juggling, um, you know, being a student and then a doctor and a mother and a wife and all of those fun roles that, that we have. And when I actually, um, first was, got out of practice and was deciding where I wanted to focus, I was actually focused on fertility for my, um, specialty. And, and I did that. I did a year long training with Dr. Jacqueline Chassie, who is kind of one of the naturopathic, um, leading experts on fertility. And so it was, I did get to learn a lot in that mentorship and work with um, several women when, and men when it came to fertility. And it was wonderful. And then I decided that I needed to do more of a general practice because I wanted to see lots of different things um, as far as different conditions, see kids. Um, and then since then, I've kind of more specialized in working with women who are just really wanting to like level up their health and wellness. And, um, so fertility is definitely a part of that. That's amazing. Yeah. So actually how I found you for all of our listeners listening, I was looking for a naturopathic doctor who was local for like our whole family. So, and a Christian naturopathic doctor is just really important to me. So, um, so I called you, you're just up the road and, and I was talking with you and it, you know, you don't do like the whole family gig, but I was like, wow, you sound really cool. So you, do you want to be on the podcast. So that that's kind of how we kicked off with each other, which I think is really cool. Um, can we circle back just a little bit? Can you tell us, like, did you kind of experience any infertility with getting pregnant or what was that journey like for you? Yeah. So, um, I did not technically experience infertility, um, at like before I had my first, mm-hmm. um, think we had tried for, you know, maybe like five months wasn't happening. And then, um, and then we stopped trying. And so it was that classic story of like, oh, and then that's when we got mm, pregnant. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, and it's amazing because I truly believe, you know, as somebody who, um, y- you know, you'll, you'll really understand this as somebody who tracks the cycle. Um, like, you know, I was tracking those things and, I really think it's a miracle that he, my son was conceived wow. at that particular time so cool. because it wasn't really, probably shouldn't have happened as far as my tracking yeah. went. And so it was interesting because I think I was ovulating earlier than I realized because I wasn't checking those things. Okay. And so, but yeah, so that was kind of a miracle and just happened. But um, unfortunately I did struggle with um, secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. So after I had my son, um, that's when I was, I actually had two uh, miscarriages oh my goodness. after that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so that was super, super hard because my son was one and then two, um, had the two miscarriages. And I do believe, um, it's kind of another topic, another story, mm-hmm. but I, I did, I was required to get an MMR vaccine for school. Okay. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, my the first miscarriage happened like a month after that. So, oh my gosh, yeah, wow, that's yeah. really sad. Yeah, I'm so sorry. So, and that's part of what drove my passion to help people with fertility is because of you know my own struggles. Um, but then I think it was a little bit too close to home for me at the time mm-hmm. when I was you know helping others and kind of like in the yeah. thick of that myself. Yeah. 
Um, and then as time went on, and now I'm 44, I'm turning 45 next month, well, in April. And, um, you know, we, we just are not, we, I think we've decided that we're content with, with mm-hmm. our son at this point in time. Yeah. And so, so it's not something we've continued to pursue, right, but right. Yeah. I just want to give you a big hug. This clearly was not ordained. <laughs> Listeners, I had no idea about Dr. April's story. So, I mean, yeah. just that's that's crazy. And, you know, what's really interesting is, I mean, I've heard of like three or four different stories of women who do know how to chart their cycle and they chart and they're like, there's there's no way I should have gotten pregnant. And so I love pointing out how God, it, like it's so important to chart and I feel like it's a you know, it's a, it's a responsibility. It's a gift of knowledge from the Lord about what, what's happening with our bodies, but mm-hmm. the Lord is above that. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. I always tell my son, I'm like, you were so meant to be here. Oh, like you goodness. have no idea. Like <laughs> what a special, amazing, yeah. precious gift from the Lord and your children are loved mm-hmm. and cherished and celebrated in heaven. Um, yeah. And so, man, okay. It, that always just gets me so emotional. I don't know if I told you I went through three yeah. miscarriages too. So oh, it's okay. Yeah, mm. it's a really rough, rough thing to go through, and that's what a lot of our people mm-hmm. have gone through too. So we all empathize mm-hmm. with it. So um, and yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. I remember it, it took me a while to kind of get out of that headspace to be able to help people. It takes a while to heal. So you were right in the thick of of helping people. So. Tell us more yeah. about what you do and how you serve women who are kind of struggling in in these areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so with my training and uh, understanding of infertility, as a naturopathic doctor, there's certain areas we focus on, and I'm sure that you have heard many of these. But it's like um, you know, focusing on inflammation or mitochondrial health or oxidative stress in the body, the balance between free radicals and um, antioxidants um, to just protect the DNA, protect the cells, protect the mitochondria. Um, And also, of course, balancing hormones. We need to make sure that um, the woman is uh, ovulating and that they're, you know, trying to conceive at just the right time. And, um, you know, looking at the health of the cervical mucus and all those things are incredibly important. And of course, looking at the the male partner as well, because um, that, you know, side of things can certainly be a big part of infertility. And so, um, so it is very important, but it's also just, it really is a matter of honing in on what's going on because it's such a broad, there's such a broad range of things that can be going on. So I think getting like a, really good thorough workup to understand is it ovaries is it the uterus um you know is it inflammation is it hormones is that like somebody needs to lose a few pounds um like what is it specifically for them because again there's just so many things and so i think getting that workup to maybe rule out some of those other big factors of infertility is very important and then you know, I think it's like there, you might have this off the top of your head, but I think it's around 30% of um, cases of infertility are unexplained. And so um, when that is the case, that's when it's like, 
It's never unexplained. There's a way to explain it. It's just that we need the right tools to figure out what that is. And so um, I do look at like, you know, hormone panels. So blood tests are helpful, but there are limitations with blood tests as far as, um, you know, our hormones are pulsatile. And when we're catching, um, when we're doing our blood labs, we don't know was that like when our hormone was pulsing and is that a high number just because of that? Or is it like an actual high number? And so blood labs are limited, but still helpful because that's how everybody communicates. So that's how, you know, that's what the medical doctors are looking at. So it's still good to have that information as part of the picture. But then there's other tools like the Dutch test, which is a hormone test. Um, that uses saliva and, um, or dried urine. And that can be more, uh, we can really identify more with hormone health, looking at the Dutch test, because, um, you know, we're looking at several points throughout the day. And we're also looking at like how your hormones are actually metabolized through the urine. And so we can get a little bit more clear on, um, is this an estrogen, you know, a situation of too much estrogen, you know, that is unopposed, like too little progesterone, um, or is there even enough progesterone, you know, like are, is the woman ovulating, those kinds of things. Um, but my new favorite way of assessing these things really is looking at the genetics. Okay. Um, so, so we've come a long way in our understanding of genetics and I'd say in the last decade or so, I used to be pretty skeptical of that because I always just figured if we're leading the healthiest lifestyle that we can live, then because of epigenetics, like how our environment affects our genetics, we can either turn on or turn off our genes. So how about we just live as healthy as possible and, you know, it's all going to work out. Um, But what I've realized is that what works for one person and what's healthy for one person isn't necessarily what's healthy for another person. So I'll give you an example. Um, for myself, <clears throat> after having my first, um, insidiously over a matter of 30, or I'm sorry, <laughs> over a matter of about seven years, that's how old my son is, um, I gained about 25 pounds, 25, 30 pounds, something like that. Um, I mean, from my pre-pregnancy weight, right? So this is just like baby mm-hmm. weight that it, I actually got down to my pretty close to my pre-pregnancy weight, but then it just kind of started like creeping on. Weird. And I was doing all these things as far as like, I've always been very active. I used to be a professional, um, mountain bike racer. <laughs> and so I'm like, have all these go-tos like, okay, I'm going to train for a triathlon. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to go running and, you know, do all of these things. And I was doing that. But despite that, my weight was creeping Mm. up. And and so after looking at my own personal genetics, I realized that I actually have some genes that um, promote inflammation when they are turned on and that that inflammation turns on other genes that have to do with, um, my uh, body weight. So like the like obesity genes is what people tend to call them. And so 
learning about that was really fascinating because it all made sense. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, and so I started exercising less and I also did a, all these other things that were recommended in this report um, based on the genes that I'll talk about in a minute, including like, for me, I don't need a lot of protein. I have a genotype that requires like actually kind of a low amount of protein. Um, still within, you know, a standard healthy recommended range, but like, I don't need that much. So I was eating too much protein, which was then turning into even more inflammation, turning on stress genes too. Um, so when I sort of chilled out, stopped exercising so much, stopped eating so much protein, I actually dropped, um, like 25 pounds just like in a couple months, which is like, I don't recommend losing that much weight in that period of time. That's just kind of what happened. Like that's what my body did. Wow. I didn't do anything drastic. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard anything like that before. Cause you just hear like the standard <laughs> healthy things, right? So like make sure you have plenty of protein, plenty of fat, you know, general amount of carbs, mm-hmm. vegetables, all that kind of stuff. So, which is all good. And it's a good starting point to go from like, processed food, Western American eating, you know, that's definitely a good step, but man, this is, this is a leap that I have never heard about. That's that's (laughs) super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's incredible. And so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we're all designed for different things. And so I think that when they're out there doing research on fertility and, you know, there might be research on, you know, nutrition or like a study on nutrition and fertility or a study on exercise, you know, what's the best exercise for fertility? It's very hard to sort those out when we all have different genetics. Because for a study to be meaningful, we have to actually be testing something that, a variable that would change in an individual. And if that same variable isn't going to change across the board, because we're all uniquely and wonderfully designed and made, it's like, you know, sometimes that information, while helpful as a baseline, um, there's, there's more, there's yeah. like more layers to understanding our unique individuality, um, when it comes to that. And so I've always been somebody who's very, um, you know, like I'm not concerned with like body image because in my family that was overemphasized. And so I think I just sort of went the opposite direction of like, I'm not going to, I don't care about that. Yeah. You know, I actually felt like in order to conceive Um, One of my professors along the way said, um, you know, to be ready to conceive, you should have a little bit of excess, you know, be ready to give. And I, and in terms of body Mm -hmm. fat, and I agree with that to a point, right? Because we know that if we have a BMI less than 19, body max index less than 19, that's, we can have anovulatory cycles, Mm -hmm. um, and that sort like so we know that not having enough body fat can lead to infertility. It's definitely part of it. But then um, we also know from research um, on you know IUI and IVF specifically that they're less successful when people have a BMI in excess of thirty for sure, and potentially even in excess of like twenty five. Um, so. I, I've become more aware of how having excess fat is actually um, creating a real metabolic dysfunction with our hormones. And so I've become more 
sensitive to helping women, even if they just need to lose like 20 pounds. I'm like, that could be huge yeah. when it comes to your fertility. Gotcha. That's interesting mm-hmm. as well. Um, mm-hmm. to consider, to consider that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because we have different, um, so, so I'm like trying to think of how, where to begin with all of this, but so we have different hormones. So we'll just start with like our satiety hormones. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners have, uh, you know, I'm sure some have dove into this and some have not. Um, there's leptin, which is our satiety hormone. So actually, before I even say that, I just want to say that um, our body was basically designed, like made to be hungry. Like that's sort of our our default is like to be hungry. And so we need hormones to come in and suppress that hunger and make us feel full to have like a normal kind of a hormone balance. And that those um, particular hormones like leptin and ghrelin can get really like, um, they can get um, sort of upregulated or turned on too much when it comes to um, basically the more fat cells we have, the bigger the fat cells are, but then also um, it's a genetic thing. So some of us have genetics that predispose us to having problems with leptin and ghrelin specifically. Okay. So they're kind of tied and connected together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ghrelin is like your hunger hormone. It gives you the message, I'm hungry. And then leptin gives you the message, I'm full. And so they are tied together. Um, Leptin is actually um, released by the fat cells. It crosses the blood brain barrier and gives that message to your brain to say, I'm full. And then ghrelin is produced in your gut and produces, um, it also crosses the blood brain barrier. Um, but there are certain genes, like there's a gene called the FTO gene. And in some people that can de- it can cause your, um, you to have less leptin sensitivity. So less ability to bring leptin into the cells to create that I'm full response. And then you have just leptin like floating around. And then that can ultimately actually create problems with your hormones by messing with your estrogen and progesterone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so much. So yeah. it's crazy. And so, so that's why it's helpful to understand somebody as an individual is because then we know like, oh, wow, you happen to have these genes and so we can work to focus on this particular, um, you know, pathway with you. Because, yeah. um, you know, some people it's like stress is the thing. Some people it's the toxins. Some people it's inflammation. Some people it's the weight. Um, and so some people it's sleep, you know, being able to target these things specifically based off of, you know, understanding your lifestyle, understanding your symptoms, but then also understanding your unique genetics, um, I find is, is pretty game changing. Gotcha. And so does, I'm curious, like if a woman has any kind of leaky gut, does that just like mess up the whole thing? Or do you often see with these hormones and with that gene, she does, like if she's having disruption, you see that as well? Um, that's a really, um, good question. So Yes, absolutely. Leaky gut is um, a factor because 
when we have a situation where our gut isn't working properly, when there's inflammation in our gut, and when the um, cells are such that the um, our food is basically leaking out and getting into our bloodstream, that creates like a autoimmune type of a situation that might not even be detectable, but it's basically our body's immune system kind of freaking out when that happens. Um, and then of course, when that's going on, we can't absorb all the nutrients that we need that are so important for fertility. Um, you know, like our folate, our B vitamins, our magnesium, um, all these things, particularly the B vitamins and, um, the folate can be an issue. So, um, so taking care of the gut is incredibly important. There are some things that I see coming up in the genetic genetic report. It doesn't like say like, oh, you have a leaky gut, but um, that can be inferred based off of symptoms. And there's other tests that we as naturopaths can do to determine if there is a leaky gut. Um, but we can assume a lot of people just have that going on. Um, I do think that part of that is due to you know the pesticides in our foods and things like that, that our body does not... Um, does not like. And so we get more inflammation and that happens. But in the genetics, we can see um, whether somebody is lactose intolerant or not. Like if they actually have the gene where they produce the, lac the lactose where they or the lactase where they can digest the milk proteins. Um, and we can also see if they're not producing the right kind of bacteria in their gut. So just other ways of honing in. And the other interesting thing about the genetic testing is it does let us know, like, are we having a problem with um, our methylation, for example? So, um, you know, some people are not, like, just don't, um, are not able to methylate as well. And that's part of our detoxification process. That's also part of turning on and off genes. So it's, it's an important process and some of us just don't do it very well. And so understanding that is helpful to know, okay, when we're targeting nutrition, do we really need to target, you know, a prenatal with a methyl B vitamin kind of a thing and methylfolate. And cause some people also don't do well when they have too much of those nutrients. So it's not wise just to have it in general right. as a general multivitamin, but just to say that we can really dial in the nutritional piece as well. Um, and also the way we detox. So we have, um, our liver, our, um, detoxification of like our toxins happens in our liver. Um, and we have something called phase one detoxification and phase two detoxification. And so the so we need methylation methylation for the phase two. And then phase one happens through an and through um, a cytochrome type enzyme. So it's this enzyme that helps us to um, break the toxin down. And then we need to get it out of our system by making it water soluble by adding like a sulfate or a methyl group or something like that. And so what can be helpful is to know is the woman producing too much of her, like, is she really fast in her phase one detox, but not fast in phase two or vice versa so that we make sure that all of the toxins come out safely. Otherwise, sometimes the phase one, because um, if you can't 
get the toxin completely out of the body, we have a phase one substrate. So we might have free radicals floating around if we can't get that toxin quick enough through the phase two detox. So I know it's kind of confusing, but I like to mention that just because, again, it's like about how individualized um, our bodies are and where to target treatment. Because I think sometimes um, infertility can be, you know, a toxicity can be one of those factors that can be really important for some people. Yeah. There's like so many things to potentially consider and to look into. And so having guidance is pivotal, you know, and mm-hmm. I love what you're doing mm-hmm. and how um, just person specific it is and extremely root cause <laughs> specific. Um, mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit really quickly about what is that facial manipulation and what does that have to do with all of this? Yeah. So um, I'm just going to correct you a little okay. bit. It's called fa- facial manipulation. Facial, sorry. But don't <laughs> worry. Tell, it's okay. I want a facial right now. <laughs> like, I, I want in years. <laughs> facial just manipulation. So no, yeah. Right. Just so there's no confusion. Got it. Um, but no, it's all good. Um, so fascia is the connective tissue that basically connects everything in our body. It's so amazing because it connects our, um, like our muscles to our skin. And then it connects our blood vessels and our nerves and our ligaments and our tendons and, um, our bones, like everything to, and our lymph system, everything together. So historically we, as the medical profession and people that do dissections and things just throw all the fascia garbage because, they're like, we want to see all the cool stuff. We want to see the muscles and the tendons and the arteries and the veins and blah, blah, blah. So um, it turns out that that's actually very important. <laughs> and it's that's so, so the way that God designed us and so would be the way he designed us. Um, I'm always struck in reading in the Bible. I'm trying to remember where it is, um, but Paul talks about... Um, you know, the, he's talking about the body of the church, but he's talking about how the least important is actually the mm-hmm. most important. Mm-hmm. And um, when I read that and think about the body, and because he was referring to the actual body at the time as a metaphor to the body of the church. And um, when I think about that, I think about the fascia because I'm just like, this is, it seems like it's the least important thing, but it's actually like one of the most important organs in our bodies because it has um, all of these um, for, like free nerve endings and like our autonomic nervous system is communicating in the fascia. So I'll give you an example of like how this can relate to hormone health. We have different layers of fascia. We have the superficial fascia and then we have the deep fascia. Um, the deep fascia is right above the muscle tissue. And then the superficial fascia is um, obviously closer to the skin. And that superficial fascia um, can you basically can get like the fat tissue is like, it can get kind of bound up in that. And then the fascia like has these collagen fibers that encase the, the fat tissue and kind of like suffocate it. And that's cellulite basically. And when, when there's an excessive amount of cellulite, it's actually a sign that there's a, a, like a discommunication between the hormones and um, the autonomic nervous system. So because the, the 
nerves that are embedded in the fascia have to do with the, it's like the communication system mm-hmm. of everything. So our fat cells have, um, all kinds of hormones and, um, chemical messengers and things in them. And so there's this communication back and forth between, um, you know, like our ovaries and our um, thyroid and our hypothalamus in our brain. And the autonomic nervous system is a part of that. And kind of like that end point is that like the adipocyte, the fat cell. And so anyway, so you can, you can actually alter and affect the communication of the hormones by um, altering superficial fascia. So it's a kind of body work that works to release some of those, um, what we call attractor points that, um, are kind of encasing and disrupting communication. So I'll back up a step because, um, the, the technique that I do is called fascial manipulation and it's out of Italy. Um, and so there are, there's probably close to 400 articles now on PubMed through, um, the researchers and it's, um, led by a family called the Steckos. So Luigi Stecco, S T E C C O created the method and his children, Antonio and Carla, who are uh, somewhere around my age now. Um, they are medical doctors that have like just, um, sort of, uh, evolved the method by understanding more about the research and bringing it to countries all around the world, basically the whole world. So anyway, so that's the superficial fascia and, and the hormone connection. The deep fascia is more implicated when it comes to like people that have some kind of a pain issue or some kind of an internal dysfunction issue, like, um, digestive problems or even hormone problems because the glands in our bodies, like the thyroid, the ovaries are all connected by the fascia. So, it sounds crazy, but some um, sometimes people will have knee problems and they didn't ever hurt their knees. Nothing happened. But when I take a history, I realize that these knee problems are actually, it's a fascia, attentional fascia issue because the knees are connected to the fascia around the ovaries, around the uterus, around the thyroid, you know. And the pancreas, um, the liver. Um, so we can actually affect the, cause sometimes there's a tensional situation going on. So we can affect the, um, situation of the abdomen and all of the organs and the glands by working on the knees or the ankles. Okay. So that's just kind of like one example or one way to think about it, but it's just balancing, um, the tension in your body that the fascia holds to promote better motility and mobility of the organs, which then lead to more like a, a improved function okay. because the function depends on the ability of these organs to move around in space. Gotcha. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. Um, that's like super <laughs> interesting. How did you come about that research? Do they like where, when did you start incorporating that into your practice? Yeah. So when I was at Bastyr University, um, as a student, they came to our school and did a, did a week long class and they had three week long classes. And so 
I was absolutely fascinated because I was already interested in the fascia even before naturopathic school. And, um, uh, and they also came with my mentor, Dr. Edith Hoyce, who has a system called Rev6. It's a movement system. So it's, it, that's geared toward the fascia. So I learned this movement system alongside with the fascial manipulation system, which is a strategy and a treatment plan where I'm using my elbows and knuckles on the, on targeted regions to have a certain effect. Um, so I learned that there and I took the first two classes and then the third one came like a week after my baby had arrived Mm -hmm. and I was like, Nope, not doing that. (laughs) And then, um, a couple years later is actually during COVID. Um, I was like, I need to finish this. I need, like, I really need to understand this because I was seeing patients and thinking, ah, oh, if only like I, I was more proficient in that fascial method, I think I could really help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't feel super proficient in it. I needed that extra class and more experience. And so, um, I went to Italy during COVID. Oh, wow. Um, it was really cheap. Dang, that's awesome. <laughs> I know. And so I actually went there twice. And so I, I just got the classes right straight from the horse's mouth kind of a yeah. thing, like, you wow. know, right there in Italy. And, um, started using it with my patients um, with a lot of success. That's so cool. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you just educating us so much about um, extra hormones. We talk a lot about the sex hormones, so we did learn some new ones today. And um, the genetics and fascial manipulation. I got it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I just so appreciate you. So what word of encouragement would you have for the woman who – um, has been in your shoes, you know, or is in your shoes and is looking to try to get pregnant. She's a believer and she just feels stuck. What would word of encouragement would you have for her? Hmm. Yeah. One word? <laughs> um, a few sentences. <laughs> One oh, okay, word. Good. Oh, my land. No. I'm, I'm, like, oh, okay, good. I'm like, I've got to choose very oh, wisely. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I would just say, um, absolutely trust in the Lord, you know, his, he is sovereign over all of this. He will make things happen at just the right time for you. Um, but like you said earlier, there is an element of wisdom. And so I think we can use these tools to help us, but not to become dependent on the tools. We need to look to God. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we call that the um, the bleeding woman moment. You know, she'd been to all the doctors um, and had spent yeah. everything she had. And so it's ultimately important to go to the Lord first with our issues and making sure that we're doing that um, before we do all, all the hundred million other things and don't get distracted. <laughs> so um, Absolutely. having that balance is important. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Dr. April. I so appreciate you coming on and um, have a blessed day. Thank you. Okay, girl, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts? Literally just pause this, scroll on down, click write a review, and I promise it'll take two seconds. Well, maybe like 25 seconds and it would bless me so much to see what you thought about this episode and to hear your feedback. 
And also, if you could share this in a quick text message to the friend or family member that you were thinking of while listening to this episode, that would be awesome. It just lights me up to know that this podcast is helping you and other people. And girl, I pray that your progesterone is awesome. I'll meet you back next Thursday for another episode. Have a blessed day.